Shut up and sit down. This is off the wall. Man, am I itching to travel. So, Lance, quick question. When was the last time you traveled abroad? Ooh, um, jeez, man. This pandemic has been so long, I don't even know. The last time I, I'm thinking back now is probably taking a little vacation um, in Mexico. Is that Does that count for abroad? Yeah, I would say that counts. It's outside Canada. Outside Canada, yeah. Just a little trip out to Mexico and, man, I... I feel the need to get the hell out of this place right now. But I'm sure all our listeners are feeling the same. Yeah. How, how long ago was that when you went to Mexico? Oh, it's probably a couple of years ago now, probably. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. at least. And for me, it was in 2019. I went to Egypt back in March and that was the last time we usually do one type family type of vacation every year this year we were supposed to be in japan south korea but that obviously didn't happen so that sucks i'm really hoping for that chance to travel again in 2021 but what's interesting and you know some of our listeners may already know about this if they've listened to previous episodes is that lance used to live abroad in China for, it was two years, right? Yeah, two two years, about two years. Okay. And, you know, this is a great segue into a new series that we're starting on about traveling abroad, where we're going to be chatting with people who have lived abroad or spent a significant amount of time abroad to chat about their experiences and whatnot. But, you know, before we chat with those people, you know, let's talk about ourselves first. So that's where you come in, Lance. And hopefully after the conversation, this conversation, some of our listeners out there who are thinking of moving abroad to China can find this, to, the advice given on here to be pretty good and helpful for them. This would be post-pandemic. So first off, you know, Lance, let's just start off in the very beginning. So why China and did you go there? Was it something that was part of a company or did you just go there and start something yourself? Well, I think, man, I think we got to backstep a little because it's been <laughs> it's been a while since I was in China. So the advice or, or any of my stories now that I'm talking about may not be relevant <laughs> anymore because China is a place where it's changed so dramatically, you know, as we can tell, you know, um, of how China has all changed. But uh, when I went, it was, oh, let me think here, 2000 and, 2000 and uh, 2010, 2009, I guess. So it's been, it's been 10, almost 10 years, right? 10, 11 years since, mm -hmm. since I've been um, uh, back. Uh, but since I was there, so I should say, but yeah, I went, um, I was relocated for work, um, and to help them kind of start their, um, branch office in China. So I went there and it was a proposed idea by myself to head there, to try to, 
manage this operation and get it all up and going. Um, it didn't work out so well, but I mean, I'll talk about that in in another episode. Um, but um, yeah, it was crazy experience. I think for me, living abroad has been one of those uh, life changing, life altering um, kind of experiences because you go there and, you know, I think first off, I was scared like crap to go there because number one, uh, I didn't know anybody there. Uh, number two, I didn't speak the language, although I am, um, you know, Chinese, I didn't speak Mandarin. Um, and so the place that I was at was Guangzhou or Guangzhou. Uh, Guangzhou. Mm. And basically, their majority of the people speak Cantonese. So I was able to get around because the local dialect there was Cantonese. So, I mean, going there, it wasn't, uh, it's not like I didn't completely not speak the language. Um, so that was good, but uh, I didn't know anybody. I was lucky enough that I had relatives there, but relatives that I had never met or seen in my life. So it was, a, it was quite an awkward experience because I ended up staying with them for the first three months while I was in China. And, you know, could you just imagine going to some place not knowing these people? And it's so awesome because they opened with open arms, just accepted me, took care of me, showed me around, you know, did all of these things. And, and it was super awesome. And I still keep in touch with them today. Um, but just the first experience of just going there was just dreadful. Like I was just scared, right? You're just like, what am I, what am I getting myself into? What's going to happen? And were your, so your parents, did they come from Guangzhou or somewhere else? No, they came from Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. So obviously before, if you're talking about the history of it, they before they were got to Hong Kong, they were from China. So like mm -hmm. my great grandparents uh, and my grandparents were from China that eventually kind of, you know, migrated into Hong Kong and then from Hong Kong, you know, immigrated to uh, Canada. Mm -hmm. And as you know, you're a second generation Canadian. How did it feel, you know, when you were you going back, I guess, to your ancestral roots over in China. Was was that your first time in China? Uh, wasn't my first time in China. I went back probably uh, a year, a year and a half or two, maybe two years mm -hmm. before I went there. So we went there on kind of like a vacation, went to China, uh, went into Beijing and did some other tours up in Beijing um and a few other places around china i think it was uh more of the northern uh, you know beijing northern side of china um and to, to you know to me at that point it's just you just experience china like you know you're just like okay let's go see the great wall let's go see um you know a couple of these uh the, the temples and you know uh all of those kind of uh how do you say you know the um the, places yeah touristy it's, places right exactly yeah yeah whereas the this time when you went you're checking out you know you're looking at houses you're like oh okay this place looks like a 
just basically yeah, like, stuff you're not you're not looking at before. <laughs> like I think when you live there or when you go there on a, it, it's different. Like if you're on vacation, it's like okay, we have all the plans kind of planned out for you. This is what we're gonna do, and then you know, like after ten days or whatever, you're flying back. But whereas you know, you land. You get there, you're kind of like, okay, what what am I going to do? So even I was lucky to, like I say, to stay with relatives there, but I had to go and find a place, you know, for myself to live right away. So, you know, at this point, it was like, you, you kind of like, you start to, you know, it's, 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 I think I like that experience, right? I like to really be in the experience of the culture and, and, and the country, you know, and, and just really experience it. And, when you're on vacation, you don't get that because everything's kind of all planned out for you. You know what you're doing and on all of that stuff. But now it's like, okay, go there, right? Talk about finding places, discovering the 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 local city, um, and finding out what's there. And yeah, it's it's exciting. And then you start to realize just how people you know are living there, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, it's definitely a little bit of culture shock. Right when you first get there, because in comparison to Canada, China, especially I guess I should say the the city that I was living in was 14 million people, right? So I mean, this it's quite a bit of people, and um, you know, I, I have a I have a funny story, but um, when I first got there, you know, you Canadians, we like our space, you know, we have lots of space, so everybody is not up in your face type of thing. Mm-hmm. But when you get to China, it's like everybody's all around you, right? So there's no, you know, space. So this one time I'm here, you know, experiencing the subway with like 14 million people, right? And I go into the subway, it's rush hour, mm-hmm. and I'm in there and I'm, I'm, I'm just holding the post that's in, in, in the subway. And um, all of a sudden, I just get people shoving me like just shoving me and you don't get that like i don't know i i I really i can't say i've been on the c train much but i mean you kind of don't get that on the (laughs) c train right it does get packed but you don't get a whole lot of shoving but i got shoved like a few times and then there was just this one last one before they kind of closed the door right but they they shoved me and they pushed me in my face just nailed the the post that i was holding <laughs> and i got pissed so i just take the post and grab it with my two hands and i kind of just shove everybody back <laughs> so i use the post as leverage and i just push everybody back yeah and i turn around and these people are looking at me like this motherfuckers he's he's gone <laughs> off the charts right and i'm pissed so i'm looking at him and then the door closes and i get I get some room, right? But mm-hmm. then people are kind of like giving me space and I'm just, I'm angry and I look like I'm pissed right now, right? I'm probably all fired up and then, you know, I leave. But, you know, as you live there longer, yeah. I started to become those people that just kept shoving people in because I was like, okay, I got to make this train. Although yeah. I think about it, I'm like, you know, it's kind of weird because the next train was coming in like three minutes, <laughs> literally like three minutes, right? And we... I don't know. I just guess, you know, you kind of lose patience always, when, you, when you're there. So Always busy. You know? Well, you know, what can you say? It's 14 million people. There's, there's never enough trains to go around. <laughs> well, I think if you become like a Canadian, you're too nice. 
you're mm-hmm. always gonna you're you're just gonna like even though the train comes every three minutes, you'll be stuck there. You'll be like, you know, <laughs> this yeah. they'll be like, this guy's crazy. Like, why is he still waiting around? You're gonna wait for a, another train. You you'll wait till like three hours later before you get one that doesn't have that many people on it. And then, in terms of like, say, no space, is it the same? Because I myself have never been to China, but I've been to Hong Kong, where sometimes even when you're sitting at a restaurant, you don't even get space to eat. Do you, do you do you ever get people like standing by your table waiting for you to finish eating and stuff? Because <laughs> that happens, and you're like, as a Canadian, I'm like, to me, I'm like, oh man, I got to eat faster now because they're just standing oh, there. Oh man, you okay, know? I never had that experience in China, but I did have that in Hong Kong. Okay. So when I went to Hong Kong, like, uh, well, probably around the same time I went to China for the first time, um, we we were at this dim sum place. And it was just so awkward where, you know, if you're waiting for a table, you have to literally stand beside the table. <laughs> yeah. and, and the person's waiting there beside you, right? And you're just kind of like, the fuck? Like watching you eat, right? And, and yeah. you're just like, this is so weird. Yeah, but and does it make you want to eat faster? You're like, uh, I just want to. This is. It feels more uncomfortable. Like it. It looks like it's more uncomfortable for the person who's eating. Like maybe because we're not used to it. And you're just like, I just want to eat now and get out of here, so that this guy can sit down. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, it, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that was the norm back in the day, and I probably think that it is. But I mean, yeah, it just it just makes you feel uncomfortable when yeah. someone's hovering you watching you eat listening in on your conversation like you know like oh exactly (laughs) and then so one question if we just move go back a little bit that i've always you know one thing that i've always been you know interested in knowing is so you know you know you're moving to china for who knows how long what did you pack or how did you pack what did i pack i packed everything bro Pack my ps3 and no (laughs) or how did you figure out like did you go there with like one suitcase or two suitcases and you're like all right let's let's go or did you did you do some like big packing moving no i mean we pretty much i had a condo at the time so i you know it was me and my wife uh we rented out the condo and then we i pretty much packed up like you know all my clothing uh, and and just went. So I was there first for the first two months before my wife came. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, whatever I didn't bring with me, then I got my wife to kind of pack up and go. But mainly, we just took clothes, right? Because I think, uh, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that you go to China and, and my parents, maybe they're a little bit old school. They have this whole thing about China where, it's the povish China, right? It's very corrupted. People are going to rob you. People are going to, you know, uh, shank you for like, you know, your watch or your your chain. And, and that kind of freaked us out, right? So, you know, I ended up taking my wedding band off, t- taking any jewelry off mm-hmm. and, and um, just kind of like being cautious, right? Because we didn't know what was to be expected there. Uh, and then you get there and <laughs> people are driving <laughs> Lamborghinis, you know, like, you know, Bentleys and everyone's got Gucci this on, LV that, you know, Versace. I mean, like you name it, it's, you know, everyone's got money. And at, at this point in time, China's really starting to boom, right? Just mm-hmm. 
getting up there economically. So, I mean, people had money, people had jobs, you know, the whole economy was just booming. So, I mean, there wasn't that to be fearful of, right? Because when you did get there, I mean, don't get me wrong, maybe if you moved a little bit more to the outskirts of the city, mm-hmm. you know, the crime and whatnot may be, uh, you know, a little bit higher. But when you're in the city, I felt safe. You know, I took walks at night. Um, and it was just, you know, it was it, it was casual. People just did their own thing. And yeah, it was great. And wait, which city were you in, in, in Guangzhou? Gu- Guangzhou. So the province oh, is Guangdong. Okay. So oh, the province is Guangdong. Gotcha. And then the city is Guangzhou. Okay, so that's this is like huge metropolis city. Yeah, so, so the city had 14 million. If you look at the province, I think the province itself is like 134 million, <laughs> right? And the whole province of Guangdong. So so yeah. <laughs> it's quite a bit. So, you know, you know, just in comparison, what what's the population of Canada and all of Canada? Like 30 <laughs> yeah. 32 maybe yeah, 32 36 million or something like that yeah and then you know you got the one province of 130 you know it's just no big deal there no big deal <laughs> and so another thing too so did you get it was this like just like a work visa type situation that you got yeah so yeah just you know i had to get a work visa it was really in my situation it was a little bit difficult because it wasn't like we had an operations already set up in china mm-hmm. so it wasn't like an uh you know uh that branch office was setting me up to get uh, a visa so when i went there it was actually on um uh on like a what do you call it like the vacation visas right mm-hmm. so you went i went there and I went there on that for, I think I got 90 days, so three months for that. And mm-hmm. then I had to renew. But as I was setting up the corporation over there, I set that all up. And then eventually I had to apply for the work visa and then got the work visa done. And yeah, it was kind of, it was just so weird because it almost felt backwards, right? Because a lot of people already get their visas and then they move over there and they're legitimate mm-hmm people you know working there but this we kind of had to go there had to set up the whole business and literally find um you know set up the incorporation there find the leasing there set up the offices so yeah a ton of work but it was good so like in that case too you had to find your own housing and and all that as well too because the company because you're sitting there no one usually sometimes you know when a company is sponsoring you they also have the place ready for you to live so how how was that like finding housing for yourself man it was tough but um i was lucky right like again i had relatives there so we literally went there looked at the housing and you know basically uh they'd have these places like uh i don't know it's kind of like uh imagine a realtor shop or something and you would go in there and they would just have pictures of all of these rental units that were available Mm -hmm. and the weird part about um uh, china is that a lot of these units they're like incomplete it is so weird so we would go to these places and there'd be no tiles on the floor literally just concrete right so these these were apartment buildings that we were going into but they literally be concrete flooring and concrete walls so there'd be nothing and and what they would say to you is okay if you want to lease it um no problem 
and you just tell me how you like it all done up, right? And mm-hmm. and it, they'll take like I don't know. I think it was like these guys said they'll get it done in like two weeks. Like it was crazy how quickly <laughs> they could get it all done, right? But we're like, no, no, no. We're looking for something more, um, you know, quick possession type of thing, right? And so they did have suites that were that were finished already and that were f- fully furnished. Um, and the place that I went to wasn't fully furnished, but the guy just said, whatever you want, you just tell me wherever you want it from, we'll get it for you. That's it. Right. And so we basically just, you know, at the time, apparently it's crazy, but Ikea, there is their high level stuff versus here in Canada, Ikea is like, you know, the kind of like the lower grade mm-hmm. stuff. Right. But there, Ikea. So we bought a bunch of stuff from Ikea. It was awesome because the other part that was awesome was these guys just built it for you. So they would <laughs> deliver it to you, build it for you, right? And I, here I was, I was thinking, I was expecting me to build all of this, right? Yeah. So I was like, I'll just build all of this. But no, they came, built it. You know, I I had three bedrooms there. So, you know, built all the beds, put in the, the, the sheets, the pillows. The, like, you know, they got everything, man. It was... That's a quick. That's really awesome. Like, I mean, I myself like building IKEA furniture, but I'm assuming there's probably a lot of people out there that don't. So having that <laughs> service just part of the part of the payment, the delivery is great. <laughs> yeah. I will say though, you know, they put it up pretty quick. So there was times where it was you could tell <laughs> It wasn't screwed in. So, I mean, I'd have to go in there and kind of use a screwdriver to tighten up stuff. But, you know, overall, that's not too bad compared to you having to build everything yourself. Yeah. And generally, you know, it's probably the same maybe in China. But, you know, when I was in Asia, a lot of the places that I stayed at all had some type of security guards posted outside all the time in comparison to over here in Canada where you don't really see that. So I'm assuming that situation was similar to you as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got, I got a story about my security guard (laughs) that was there, but yeah, we were, I guess the district that we were in was um, the central business district. So it was a little bit, you know, kind of more upscale and whatnot, but we had uh, three, uh, three or four security guards there. And here's the funny story is, you know, the, the security guard, um, you know, he's, he's, he's in this little bubble, right? Uh, he's born, you know, in, in China. He's never been outside of China. And the question he asked me, because he was so curious and he wanted to understand, like, why? So I didn't speak Mandarin and he spoke Mandarin. So he was actually from northern China. So mm-hmm. when he had come down to southern China, he couldn't speak the Cantonese dialect. So, you know, he was just learning, right, as, as he was there. But he had asked me, you know, he and of course, my wife was translating to me, but he was asking and wondering, like, hey, how come, like, you, like, are, like, are you Chinese, right? And I was like, you know, yeah, we're Chinese, right? And my wife's like, yeah, we're Chinese. He's like, well, how come, like, you know, like, how come he doesn't know how to speak Chinese, right? Like, how come he doesn't mm-hmm. know how to speak Mandarin, right? And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it was just, just like, uh, you know, he, it couldn't he couldn't uh figure it out and she's like well he's born in canada and it totally blew his mind he was like what do you mean he was born in canada he's like there's other chinese people outside of china and she was like yeah yeah there's lots of us that are outside of china 
And so, you know, he was mind blown by this fact that, oh my God, like there is actually a lot of Chinese people outside of China. And, and he was just amazed at that. He was just like, wow, that's, that's awesome. Right. So. And that day you became his new best friend. <laughs> and that day, yeah. I mean, you know, the funny thing is you go to China, right? People look at you and obviously we have a different style, but I try to dress somewhat like them. And the, the only thing that, you know, is always like in my mind is like, look, I can't speak Mandarin. So people figure me mm -hmm. out right away. Right. And, and it's always so funny because I have like a little bit of, Mandarin, like very, very little, right? Like e den den, right? So they always say e den den, little bit, little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. And and so you know, I don't I remember. There's another story. So I jump into this cab. This cab guy's like, you know, um, uh, are you Chinese? Like, you know, Nishi Yuga Jungurian. And I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, doi, doi, right? And I'm like, yeah, 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 yes, yes, right? And so I speak Mandarin to him, saying, yes, I am. And he's like, but I say, I tell him, oh. Uh, uh, right? So I tell him like my Mandarin is not good, and so he's just like, in his mind, he's the same thing. Going, what? Like, okay, you said you're Chinese, but you don't speak it. Like he's just mind blowing. He's like, what the, f you know? And and I, I don't know how to tell him. Like, look, I'm born in Canada, right? Because my Mandarin is so limited. It's like, dude, yeah. that's that's it. And so he's just thinking I'm fucking around with him. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so about so if when you met like say other Chinese who knew more that you know that you that you're from Canada and all that, you know, did they did they accept you pretty well? Were they you know do they do they like people from Canada? What do they know about Canada or even? Yeah, I think a lot of people uh, put a lot of high praise. Like especially for the Chinese, if they know that you're you're from Western society, right? Like mm. if you're from Canada or the United States, and just by you speaking English, they're just like, you know, they put you up at another level, right? Because China really wants to be like, you know, the Western nations, right? So when they see you speak English, they're like, oh yeah, they they praise you, uh, but. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the way that I look at it. And then, of course, if you're like uh, a, a white guy, you're mm. like at another level. Like there's this <laughs> just automatic respect, right, that you get. Like it's, mm. yeah, I got some stories on that too, you know, like of, of foreigners uh, being there and, and the stuff that they get away with is just crazy. And And so like, you know, when I was, it's it's interesting too because when I was in Malaysia, and I told people that I was from Canada, they actually told me, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> As if they're saying, "What are you What are you doing here? Go back to Canada." <laughs> I don't know if you ever got something something like that when you like like from, you mean they never accepted you or they just didn't want you there. More like they, because they also think that Canada is a great place. And they're like, "What are you doing living here? Just go back to Canada." <laughs> <laughs> like to them, this, this Canada is better than than Malaysia. They actually said I've heard, I heard that a couple of times actually. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think I ever got like what are you doing here? Yeah. But I think when you look at China, there's just so much opportunity that you're already seeing so many 
businesses flock to China. So I think they know that the opportunities are there. They never once question like, why are you here? And of course, like my answer is, well, I'm here to start a business to try to get into, mm -hmm. you know, the Chinese market. But I mean, at the same time, you know, I think they knew like, okay, yeah, we're red hot. Everybody, you know, is is doing really well. Like my my cousin, he said to me, and he was a farmer. So his parents came from a farming, uh, you know, career. And he was farming with them until, you know, five or six years prior to me getting there. Mm -hmm. And the like I say, China has just grown exponentially from from those years. And he's, he said to me, he's like, you know, Lance, I did not think in my lifetime, I would be able to drive a car, right in my lifetime, I never thought mm -hmm. that. And he's like, now today, he's like, I got two cars, right. So he's like, you know, the 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 way, it, and that's what I mean is when you look at China, the way that they've you know kind of uh, gone up, it's just crazy. Like I say, my cousin didn't even think he could you know, own a car in his lifetime, and now he owns two, and now he owns like you know property and all of this stuff. So, I told you know what I totally agree because, and that was the same reason why I was down over in Malaysia, and because Southeast Asia is bustling. The economies of these countries down there are bustling, and I wanted to be in there where the action was. So, yeah, that's that's what I told them as well too when they asked me that question. So I I totally agree with you. These are economies that are just blowing up, and you kind of you you want to be there, right? Where the, where the action is, you know? Yeah, and I think you want to be there and see what kind of opportunities are there, right? Like, what kind of things can we bring from our our country, right, like from Canada or yeah. our experience to, you know, over to those countries to, to share with them and possibly, you know, create something over there, right? Exactly, exactly. So, you know, now in terms of China blowing up and your area blowing up, so was there then any, say, like corruption or anything like that? Oh, yeah. That you experienced maybe firsthand? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I think you had to learn the ways of business. It's, I don't, I don't want to necessarily call it corruption per se, but you know, you have to learn the way of doing business, and the way that you have to, you know, do business is, you know, you have to wine and dine. You have to, mm -hmm. you know, do a lot of the stuff that, you know, when here in Canada. It, it it probably happens, just not so, um, you know, blatantly, just so blatantly, openly, you know, uh, yeah. about it. So there, it's like, okay, oh yeah, you want to get that done? Um, where are you gonna take me for dinner tonight? You know, <laughs> and and then it's like, oh, uh, you know, and, and then uh, are we gonna go karaoke after? And it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do some of that, right? So there's mm -hmm. definitely a lot of that, and then vice versa because I was a client. Right, because I was building uh, something there, a lot of people, you know, wined and dined me. Right, so when mm -hmm. I was there, a lot of people would be like, "Oh yeah, well, let's go out for dinner after." Right, and because you're spending thousands of dollars there, you know, trying to build stuff, you know, they're doing that for you. So, you know, you just kind of have to know. It's not really about um, uh, how do you say the corruption, but really that's just their way of doing business and. It kind of sucks because obviously some of that does fall into the corruption. So if you know someone does, 
end up offering you more typically than you know you would have to go with them or something right but mm -hmm. how was the how were the police how were the police uh, <laughs> the police i think i i did have uh a couple times um so <laughs> a couple times eh <laughs> i i overstayed my visa and i don't know if anybody else uh any listeners out there if you've ever experienced this love to hear your story but um i overstayed my visa uh and for the business visa i had i still had to leave china every uh four three or four months every three months i still had to get out mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, this one time I still, I didn't exit and I totally missed it by a month. Right. A month? So, yeah. <laughs> so for me, typically it's easy because I just, I go into Hong Kong and yeah. they count that as exiting China. Yeah. Right. And then I can come back in. So it's usually just a two hour train ride for me from Guangzhou to Hong Kong. And then I come back in, but I missed it this one time completely just just blew past my mind was so busy with the work and stuff uh and so i missed it and i had to get my uh, relatives involved and so they knew some higher ups like some mm. you know generals or somebody in the government and of course um you know i had to you know treat wine and dine them <laughs> and then also pay the fine and then also give them some money. Wow. And okay. then they took they, then they took care of me, right? They said, okay, no problem. You're you're free to go. Don't do it again. Right? Type of thing. Right. So I was cautious every time after that. I'm like, okay, I gotta I gotta you know get out of here every 90 days. You know, it's it's well, don't do it again, but if you do we're expecting more wine and dine yeah, followed yeah. by some If you do it again, it's going to be double the price because you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on to another topic, and, you know, because you mentioned that you had moved to China, you didn't know anybody and all that. And, you know, from previous episodes, you had mentioned that you are, you would say, more of a more introverted type person. So, you know, for anybody out there who's moving to an place that's abroad and doesn't know anybody you know for you how was your experience in meeting people oh man i gotta say i'm so bad like i i did meet a lot of people there but i am not the extrovert my wife is so my wife met a lot of expats and as we started meeting expats like i i met friends through my family mm -hmm. right through through my cousins and and the relatives that i was there with but uh, the expats was really my wife. Um, there was expat forms that you could go on to. Mm -hmm. And so we started playing badminton uh, with a few people and then realized really quickly that uh, on our block, there was a lot of expats that was there. So mm -hmm. then we started to meet those expats and then we met expats that were there for over 10 years already. And so they had introduced us to a bunch of their friends and then we would go out to eat with them, go, uh, we did, whew, we did so many things. Like, uh, there was a lot of these kind of expatriate, um, hiking trips. So mm -hmm. they would take, they would rent a bus, go and, uh, do these hikes all around in different parts, you know, that were close to 
Guangzhou, but like it, within the province of Guangdong. So they would drive out there a few hours, three hours, and then we do these hikes and then we stay overnight. And so, yeah, those are kind of the ways. And then, you know, you, that's kind of how you meet people. So I, I guess if you're asking me, if you're an introvert and you're looking <laughs> uh, for, for, you know, to, to meet new people, um, I would say, you know, try the forms, right? The internet has a bunch of forms. And if in your particular city, if there's a particular sport you like to do, you know, get in there. And, and not just that, because those ex, uh, expat forms, you go in there and you play these sports. I met a lot of locals there. So a lot of the locals, mm -hmm. uh, they want to learn English. So they want to hang out with more expats, right? So they want to learn English. So they hang out uh, at all these places. But, you know, the, I think the thing with me is what sucks is I should have not done that and actually hanged out with more locals so that I could improve mm -hmm. my Chinese, right? My Mandarin and my Cantonese. So, yeah, to totally makes I, I totally get you. Do, do you know the the names of these forums? Like, is it was there is there a kind of is it similar like a meetup.com type of thing? It, it was like a, like a Facebook <sighs> groups or something like that. Well, I don't think Facebook is legal in the, yeah. So yeah, Facebook <laughs> wouldn't be uh, a good one, but um, it, it, I think this form was actually called GZ forms. Like it literally be GZ for Guangzhou forms. So it was GZ oh, forms yeah. and a lot of, yeah, expats were there. And I, I think I, I can't, I don't know exactly how we came across that, but it was there and, and we met a lot of people through there. And then I noticed, you know, you were talking about food, how you would go eat with them and all that. And, you know, I've got a question on that. So, you know, you're going, you're coming from Canada to China. The food obviously is different. Your, it takes some time to, how would you say it, kind of acclimatize your stomach to the food over there. Were there <laughs> any cases of food, not poisoning, but you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. And you know what the funny thing is, is my wife has either bad luck or something. So she goes to these places and she got sick at, in Hong Kong from 7-Eleven, having an instant noodle at 7-Eleven. She got sick, right? And so here's the story. I go there to um, China and I'm living with my relatives and my relatives are not not well off right they're 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 okay but they're not like filthy rich or anything like that mm -hmm. and my cousin go hey let's go downstairs let's go downstairs i get get some noodles right i'm like oh okay so i go downstairs expected to walk into a restaurant or something it's a cart it's like literally those <laughs> carts right but you know how much it is it's 250 renminbi so two dollars and 50 cents which at the time i think worked out to be like dude, I don't know, something ridiculous, like five cents or like 25 cents or something like that Canadian, right? Yeah, so I'm yeah. I'm here thinking like, this is going <laughs> to either make me just shit my pants, right? Or, or you know, this is, I don't know, right? I mean, it looked like the, the thing that it came out of at the, at the cart there, it did not look sanitary. But <laughs> I didn't want to be rude, right? Us Canadians, we don't, we're not going to be rude. We're going to be like, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll try it, right? So he's like, here you go, right? So I'm eating it and it tasted great. Like it was uh, a, a ho fun with um, 
some meat, right? Like mm-hmm. Aulam Hofan, right? Yeah. So I don't know. For some listeners, it's Hofan with some beef briskets and stuff like that. And I'm eating it and I'm like, this is phenomenal. It's great. But I, in my head, I'm thinking, am I going to regret this? <laughs> yeah. And I never did. So, I mean, honestly, for the two years that I was there, I've I've never encountered having um, any problems. You had the eating. iron stomach. I, you know, maybe. Oh, man. Maybe. That's, well, that's you though. I'm assuming your wife, on the other hand, if she got sick from instant noodles that's packaged well i gotta say i have been eating a lot of my wife's food so that might have built up the iron stomach no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding no 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 let's cut that let's edit that part out right (laughs) but uh no 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 it's been yeah i've never encountered actually having any of that in the two years i was there so Say something happened and you, you know, had issues like that, you know, how was the, the, you know, the doctor clinics and stuff like that there? Have you, did you ever go to the doctors over there or was there yes. insurance or, or like when you paid, was it like, was it expensive or, yes. you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, you know, that's one big reason why, you know, another reason why we did end up coming back, right? Because, you know, at the time my wife was pregnant. Um, but you know, when you like, it's, it, you know, I don't know how it is now. I will only speak to it of how it was then, but you know, two of the people that you usually trust in Canada is like a lawyer and Mm -hmm. a doctor, right? And those two people relatively you're respectful and you respect them. But when you go to China, it's hard. We don't know because you know, people, it's all about money there. So if you have Mm -hmm. money, you're going to be taken care of, right? You can get whatever medication you need. You'll get whatever you need. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll attend to you 24-7, right? Any time of the day. So uh, at the time, we did go to the doctors there. Um, my wife ended up getting, um, uh, was getting asthmatic because the, the pollution was so bad that she actually started to need uh, an inhaler uh, there. Right. Uh, mm. So she had like a what they call bronchitis, I guess. Oh, okay. And uh, so we would go there and we had an Australian doctor. So it was weird because it was like you literally walk into this, uh, the you know, this clinic and they had like a menu be like, OK, what kind of doctor do you want? Uh, this one's from Australia. This one's from New Zealand. This one's from United States. And I was like, holy Jesus. What? Like, That's crazy. Yeah, that? So uh, we were just like, uh, you know, just give us whoever's available right now right yeah like you know and i don't know if there was different prices for for the different doctors but they basically like had this you know resume of doctors that was working at this clinic and then every prescription you had to pay up front for it so yes it was very expensive for the medication like i remember the inhaler that she got uh worked out to be uh four four hundred dollars canadian at the time whoa yeah so it was it was fairly expensive and yeah so i think that's the thing if you have money you're going to be well taken care of if you're going to be part of the the public system um you don't know and i've heard this horror stories of the public system there right through my cousins and and it's not great so that's that's we can dive into that later Mm -hmm. so before we sign off, I just wanted to ask you then, you know, I know that due to certain circumstances and all that, you had to move back 
and all. But, you know, would you say that, you know, where you were staying at in China, is it a good place to live in, in the long run? And, you know, maybe if you have some key takeaways from that for anybody who is considering moving over there to China. Yeah, I think, you know, if it, I, I love China. I'll be honest with you. I loved it there. It was great. The only thing uh, I think to take away from China, and I know, like I say, I'm speaking about how it was in you know 2010, 10 years ago. Um, you know, pollution was bad. So mm-hmm. you know, if you're talking about opportunity, there's tons and tons of opportunity that is there for work. Uh, but if you're talking about like your general health. Um, that's, that's a big one, right? Uh, can you make a lot of money there? I think you can make a lot of money there. Uh, but if you get into the medical side, right, if you have any medical needs, uh, you be prepared to be paying more money, right, for the healthcare that you'll, you'll need. So I think if you're, if you're single or like maybe not single, but if you're married and you don't have children, I think, you know, it's a good place to go there and live and explore because it's relatively cheap, right? Everything else mm-hmm. is, is relatively cheap. Standard living is relatively cheap. Um, so, you know, and the, there's a lot of opportunities. So there's lots of jobs that are there. Um, but if you're thinking about raising a family, that might be somewhat of a challenge, right? There's a lot of challenges there. You know, again, going back to pollution, my cousin, uh, their kids are asthmatic and they think it's because mm-hmm. of the pollution, right? And so, you know, there's a lot of other things, you know, because there's fake foods, right? No, not a whole lot of regulation uh, in terms of the government to regulate uh, the health and safety of everyone. So that might be your your problem. So you can make a lot of money, but once again, you could be sacrificing uh, your health for that. So I think if you're if you're going there, I think that's, those are the keys, right? To be just cautious about uh, which cities you pick. And, uh, you know, they're, they're all, you know, top tier cities like in mm-hmm. Shanghai and Beijing and, and Guangzhou, right? So, yeah, I don't know. Raising a family, that was our decision to, to, to come back. So I think that was the, the big key to come back into Canada to raise our family. Mm-hmm. Well, Lance, thank you for sharing your experiences with us from China. I know that it was a while back, but you know, you were there for a good period of time and you really got a chance to experience the culture, the people, the food, basically everything in that in that time span. So maybe it has changed since then. You know, there have been maybe certain things changed, but maybe certain things haven't. So, you know, but I just want to thank you again for sharing your experience and I hope our listeners have enjoyed listening to what Lance has said today. Yeah, I'm yeah, happy to share, uh, you know, some of my advice and my experience. And hopefully any listeners out there, if you have questions uh, about anything, you can definitely hit us up on, you know, social media or email us uh, at offthewalk.info at gmail.com or hit us up on our webpage, you know, www.offthewalk.com. And uh, yeah, and if you got experiences yourself that you want to share with us, we'd definitely be interested to, um, you know, hear them. All right. Until next time, come walk with us again. Thank you. All right. See ya.